0: This is Because I Said So, Parenting Advice, with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Rosemond. Syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved, from American Family Radio, here's your host, John Rosemond. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, John Rosemond. The program is called Because I Said So. It is called that because I said so, and because this is a program that promotes a very traditional, biblically-based point of view when it comes to the raising of children, a process that we now in America call parenting. The term was actually first used in 1970 as part of the title of a book by a psychologist named Fitzhugh Dodson and even though it was and still is an illegitimate word parenting it caught on very quickly went as we would say today viral and so that is what we term the process of child rearing today anyway this program picks up where your grandmother or your great-grandmother left off Uh, promoting a very common-sense, traditional, biblically-based point of view concerning bringing up children. When I was a child, my parents told me to never get into a conversation with anyone about religion or politics. It was a sure way to make people angry, lose friends, uh, become socially persona non grata, and so on and so forth. Today, I am convinced that we need to add a third topic to the list of do not discuss, and that would be parenting. We used to, in America, have consensus on the subject. I'm a member of the last generation of American children, in fact, to be raised during a time when Everyone, and I mean that literally, everyone agreed on how to raise children, on how to deal with children in a given circumstance. Husband and wife agreed, parent and teacher agreed, parent and school agreed, parent and grandparent agreed, uh, everybody agreed, parent and neighbor agreed. And today, the consensus that once prevailed in America up until around 1965, has been shattered by what I refer to as the Tower of Parent Babel in America, a hypothetical stack of over 110,000 parenting books. That's the number of parenting books currently listed as being available on Amazon.com. 110,000 parenting books. Do we really need that many books to tell us how to raise kids in fact do we need more than one book to tell us how to raise kids and no i'm not talking about ben spock's 1946 common sense book of baby and child care i'm talking about god's word and the answer to my own question is no we don't need anything more than the bible to tell us how to raise kids in the Bible, God has given us a clear, simple, straightforward, easily understood set of directions, and it's, a, it's not a lengthy set of directions, concerning how he wants us acting as his proxies to raise his children. These are his children And in fact, we should be raising them according to his plan, not some plan cobbled together by Dr. So-and-so. The problem in American parenting today is we've been listening to the Dr. So-and-sos for 50 years, and look where it's gotten us. Children who throw tantrums in public places, and I'm not talking about toddlers. I'm talking about five, six, seven-year-old children screaming and yelling in public places, children hitting their parents, especially their mothers. This would have absolutely appalled your great-grandmother. If she had ever seen her grandchild or great-grandchild hit his or her parent, your great-grandmother would have fallen over in a faint right then and there. And yet this is rampant in America today. It is commonplace, it is rampant, and uh all because we began listening to mental health professionals tell us how to raise kids around 1965. The watershed book, I've mentioned it many times on this show, is a book titled Between Parent and Child by esteemed Manhattan psychologist. He's a psychologist, he's Manhattan. So he must know what he's talking about. Chaim Ganat, And from the success of, or due to the success of Ganat's book, publishers began beating the mental health professional bushes. There was no anorexia. Girls were not starving themselves. Uh, boys were not deciding at the age of six that they were really girls. Uh, this you know what we have unleashed it's it's almost an i don't mean this uh uh as a pagan reference but it's it's as if we have ripped the lid off pandora's box and released every conceivable evil into america's uh child-rearing culture and uh, i mean today's kids are a mess they're an absolute mess i'm not talking about all of them But uh, you know exactly what I mean. I don't have to explain this to anyone who's still listening to the show. So, you know, interesting things happen to me all the time. I I am, for those of you who have just joined us or uh, are first-time listeners, I am a family psychologist. Uh, I don't believe in psychology. I call myself the anti-psychologist. I write a nationally syndicated newspaper column that appears in about 250 newspapers across the country. I've written 20 books, uh, some of which are bestsellers in the field of parenting, which doesn't compare to a uh, bestseller from Stephen King, believe me. And throughout the year, uh, with the exception of the, uh, the holidays from Thanksgiving through the first of the year, I travel the United States almost constantly giving talks primarily at churches but schools and and even secular groups as well this is a ministry to me it's not a ministry only to Christians it is a ministry to America's parents i am a man on a mission that is a ministry and anyway interesting things happen to me i mean, you know, I promote this very traditional, uh, biblically based, down to earth, I would hope, common sense, I would hope, point of view concerning the rearing of kids. And uh, because we have swung so far toward the permissive side of the parenting spectrum over the last 50 years, in that context, in that cult- cultural context, I tend to stand out sometimes like a sore thumb because I have not been beating the mental health professional parenting drum ever since the early 1980s. And so, anyway, interesting things happen. And recently I was supposed to, uh, speak somewhere in America and, uh, I heard from the person bef- before the event occurred, I heard from the individual who is my point person for this event, which was to take place at a private school somewhere in America. I'm not going to identify the place. I'm not going to identify the school. You know, those things aren't relevant. That uh, a person in the private school community, a very esteemed person, headmaster of a private school, in that same community had called to basically protest that uh, I was being brought to the community to infect the community with my parenting heresy, I suppose. That's one way of putting it. And the person who was, again, my point person, my sponsor, uh, upon inquiring concerning the person's protest, was told that I was authoritarian in my approach to raising kids. No, I am not authoritarian. I believe that children need equal measures of love and leadership. I do not believe in some draconian, tyrannical, fascistic, if you will, um, uh, approach to the raising of children. I am not a parenting totalitarian I happen to believe that uh, love and leadership need to be kept in a state of balance when love exceeds leadership greatly it becomes enabling uh, love is counterbalanced by leadership counterbalanced by authority and when authority exceeds love to a significant degree it becomes authoritarian and tyrannical and I here here's my here's my take on the whole thing in, in my audiences I don't attract authoritarian people. By no means do I attract authoritarian people, which is evidence in and of itself that I do not promote an authoritarian philosophy. I overwhelmingly sense that the larger majority of people in my audience are people who have become enablers of their children through no fault of their own, but simply because that parenting style enabling Becomes almost inevitable if you open your brain up to the psychobabble that has been dispensed from America's parenting professionals, and I would say 99% of them over the last 50 years. I tend to attract very well educated people to my talks. I tend to attract people in their 30s and 40s who are, you know, not all, but a great number of them are college educated people who tend to read and. The women in my audiences tend to read parenting books, and they've read mine, and they, you know, resonate, for lack of a better term, with my books, and they come to my talks, and they hear me talk, and they walk up to me afterwards, and they say, John, you were talking about me during this entire talk. I have been totally taken in by the psychobabble, totally taken in by the new parenting propaganda. And the term they use more often than any other is liberated. I feel liberated, John. And that's my mission. My mission is to liberate people from the psychobabble and the propaganda that has is issued from the professional parenting community over the last 50 years. They don't appreciate me at all because I am the opposite point of view. And I am trying to drive them out of business. I'll be right back. back to the show, folks. I'm your host, John Rosemond, and uh, thanks for staying with us. If you just joined us, thanks for joining us. We are a program that is all about parenting, parenting, raising children, bringing them up, upbringing, training them up, whatever one wants to call them. I personally don't like the term parenting. It's really an illegitimate word, but I use it because it... Communicates so, as I said at the beginning of the show, interesting things happen to me all the time i uh, I claim that, and I think it's a legitimate claim that I talk to more parents face to face on a yearly basis about parenting issues than any other single person in the United States. Um, I'm out in the lobby before a speaking engagement, talking to people I do not hide in the so-called green room. I am at the book sales table talking to people, answering questions, and I do the same thing after the speaking engagement. And um, it's just what I like to do because, as I have said many times, this is a mission and a ministry to me, the goal of which is to restore, to the best of my ability, traditional, commonsensical, old-fashioned, biblically principled, based, child-rearing to this country. You know, nobody talks about, uh, I mean, nobody, no politicians. We are in a political phase in this country, season, as they call it, uh, once again. And it's interesting to me that uh, no one, uh, not Hillary, not Bernie, not uh, Donald, not Marco, not Ted, not uh, John, uh nobody nobody is and uh, nobody uh, of the people who have dropped out of the race has or is talking about family issues and to me these are the most important issues in this country the american family because of the divorce rate even among evangelicals is in a state of crisis and um obviously you go into a public place and uh, you take a look around and listen to conversations, if you will, between parents and children, and you come to the quick realization that parenting in America is in a state of uh, tatters. And so uh, I feel that culture is uh, depends, the strength of culture depends on the strength of its child-rearing practices. And I can't say it often enough, We we stepped into parenting quicksand in the 1960s, When we began listening to people like me, Uh, I'm a psychologist, I'm licensed by the North Carolina Psychology Board, therefore I know what I'm talking about when I talk about psychology. And we stepped into Parenting Quicksand when we began listening to people like me tell us how to raise kids in the 1960s. Prior to that time, we were doing just fine. And uh, as is usually the case with psychology, we psychologists made things a whole lot worse, and, uh, and, and there is not one thing we have made better as a consequence of our meddling in something that we had no business meddling in from the very beginning. Last night, I was uh, talking at my own church, Tabernacle Baptist Church, Southern Baptist Church. Uh, I'm a fundamentalist, uh, believe the Bible is word for word, the truth. And uh, I'm an evangelical, and Tabernacle is a fundamentalist evangelical church led by one of the greatest preachers in America, the little-known but most excellent Scott Gleason. And you can go online if you're interested in Scott's sermons. I mean, they will literally uh, rivet you and blow you away. He is is on fire for Scripture and the Lord. And uh, so last night, As I speak, it is uh, on Thursday, pre-recording the show, as I have to do because of my speaking schedule. Last night being Wednesday evening, I was speaking to a small group that uh, was uh, discussing one of my books, in fact, and the book being titled, The Well-Behaved Child, and then subtitled, Discipline That Really Works. And I stopped into the class at the request of the two people who were leading the class uh, strictly for the purpose of answering questions. And one of which was to the effect that, um, and I'll put it in the first person, my wife and I are not on the same page when it comes to discipline. And we would like to know how to get on the same page. And my answer was, you're not on the same page because you're no longer married. And I said, now I don't mean to insult you. And because both of these people at that point were looking at me like deer in the headlights, I said, but this is what's happening in America, and it has been happening for more than a generation, and we need to stop it. And that is that two people go to an altar take a vow to be husband and wife. And and usually they say, till death do us part. And then, then they begin having children. And if you look in on this family a year or two, two years or so after the birth of the first child, you'll see, and, and I think this applies 95% of the time at least, and that may be a slightly conservative estimate. Uh, You will see that these two people are now acting as if they took a vow on their wedding day that said, I take you to be my husband and I take you to be my wife until children do us part. Because these people have now shifted their attentions away from one another to their children completely. The entire family at this point, two years after the birth of the first child, is completely and irrevocably, in a sense, child-centered. Um... And this is what I said to these two people who asked this question last night. I said, the only way to get on the same page is to remain in the roles of husband and wife. And God tells us this in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, where he creates marriage and then says, and these two people will be one flesh. Now, that's a paraphrase, but it's an accurate paraphrase. These two people will be one flesh. That's what marriage is all about. It's not about being one flesh for a period of time. And by the way, that means more than just these two people will be monogamous sexually. Let's get that straight. It means these two people will be one point of view. They will have one worldview. They will be of one mind about things. And what God is saying is, he created this state of one fleshedness when he created male and female and put them together in marriage, in a monogamous marriage. He did that. And what he is saying is, the only way to be of one mind, the only way to be on the same page, the only way to have one point of view— The only way to have unanimity about anything, including child-rearing, is to be in that state of one-fleshedness, to be married, to remain, under all circumstances, husband and wife first and foremost. I'm a member of the last generation of American children to grow up in homes where it was clear to the overwhelming majority of us, that our parents' relationship with one another trumped either of their relationships with us. And I mean trumped big time. Your dad did not come home to get on, down on the floor and play with you. He came home to be with his wife. And when he walked through the door, he might have said a few things to you. He might have exchanged some pleasantries And then he went straight into the kitchen where your mother was usually fixing dinner. And the two of them pulled out chairs at the kitchen table and sat down over two cups of coffee or glasses of iced tea and began having conversation. And you didn't realize it as a child, but that was imparting such great security and such a great sense of well-being to you that the two most important people in your life who are taking care of business number one, you simply can't get on the same page if you're functioning primarily as mom and dad. If you've stepped out of your God-ordained, scripture-ordained roles, the roles of husband and wife, if you've stepped out of those roles and are now occupying roles that are gender-specific, mom, dad, now you are going to see things from two entirely different points of view. You know, psychologists, these two people come to a psychologist and say, ooh, we're not on the same page. And the psychologist begins, you know, talking to them about their feelings and what do they hear each other saying? And what do you feel when you hear your partner say that? And you need to learn to compromise and appreciate one another's point of view. You know, I'm a psychologist. That's the way I was trained. And that is just, let me be frank with everyone in the audience, just so much blah, blah, blah. Psychologists don't get it. They don't get it because psychology is the most atheistic, postmodern profession in America. It's a postmodern religion, is what it is. It's a worldview that you believe in by faith. And psychologists just don't get it. The reason these two people are not on the same page, can't agree about their children, where their children are concerned, is because they're no longer husband and wife. Phenomenologically is what uh, philosophers would say. They're no longer husband and wife, in fact. They are, in fact, legally married. They sleep in the same bed, let's hope so, with children who are not in between them. I mean, (laughs) don't get me wrong. They sleep in the same bed without children. But they are, in effect, no longer married. That's the problem. It boils right down to that. And what makes for a good marriage? One word, service. What can I do for you babes? Well, this is John Roseman wrapping up another edition of Because I Said So. I'm having a good time. I hope you profit from listening to this and that it's a blessing in your lives. We are here on American Family Radio every Saturday at 5 o'clock Central Time. Please continue to join us. I value your participation. If you want to respond to anything I've said on the show, Send me an email at radio at Rosemond, R-O-S-E-M-O-N-D.com. I hope you'll listen next week. Bye, folks.